Hi, everybody. Welcome to another edition of Packers Unscripted from Packers.com. I am Mike Spofford, joined, as always, by my partner in crime, Wes Hodkowitz. We're coming to you here from our shiny new studio at Lambeau Field. And Wes, the Packers' momentum was slowed with the bye week. It was halted and stopped dead in its tracks on the trip to Tampa Bay, a 38-10 to 10 loss. And I'm going to give you this analogy. This game felt like the days that you come into the office because you're a coffee drinker, I'm not. And the only thing that went right for you was that your cup of coffee in the morning was pretty good. <laughs> yes. The rest of the day was completely forgettable. It was just, it was one of those days for the Packers. The beginning of the game, everything looked just fine. And by the end of the game, it was like, what the heck happened? I, I made this comment in Insider Inbox this week, Mike. I'm curious if you'd agree with me on this. This was a weird type of blowout in that the Packers actually played really well in the first quarter. On both sides of the on ball? On both sides of the ball. Absolutely. They got 10 points right off the bat. They continued their streak. The only team in the NFL right now who has scored on their opening possession all five games to this point. They come back after that. They go down. They score the touchdown twice. And then you look <laughs> on the other side of the field. They got a three and out defensively. And Tampa Bay had what, like nine total yards or something like that after the first quarter. They force a punt to start the second. And then things unraveled from there. It was, just, it was odd to me that usually if, if games, if you're disheveled, if you're not looking good, you sort of tend to not look good right from the start. Uh, if you would have told me that, that that first quarter would be 10 to nothing, the Packers would have ten, you know 12 minutes of time of possession, and then the final score was what it was at the end, I would have asked you afterwards what happened. Right. So it, it, was, uh, it was an unfortunate outcome. But again, the one thing I'll always say in these instances is these things happen over the course of a long season. You have to find a way to bounce back from it. Yeah, so many things in this game, just an anomaly for the Packers, both within this season and in the larger context historically. Obviously, Aaron Rodgers throws a pick six. He's only done that now three times in his entire career, and weirdly enough, two of them have been at Raymond James Stadium, yeah. which that's something that's almost impossible to explain. But then also, the Packers had had zero turnovers through the first four games of the season. They have two on back-to-back -back possessions. Aaron Rodgers almost never throws two interceptions in a game, let alone two on consecutive possessions, as happened there, and, and gave the Buccaneers 14 points that wiped out the early 10-0 lead. But then also the way the rest of the game went offensively. The Packers had had only one three and out offensively yeah. all season long. And after the two interceptions, they had five three and outs with J.K. Scott taking the field to punt the ball without gaining a first down. Nothing was going right. Tampa Bay, led by those that inside linebacker tandem of Levante David and, and Devin White, and we talked about them last week and their speed. And I tell you, we, you hear about how fast these guys are, right? And But not having watched a game of Tampa Bay's as closely as, obviously, we did this one, man, those guys are fast. Yeah. They're, they're in, for my money, there is not an inside linebacker duo in the league that is better than those two. No, and the thing that, you know, I, I agree with the assertion that Levante David's probably one of the most unheralded players in the National Football League. He I may be. There's a lot of folks out there that wouldn't be able to tell you that he was drafted in 2012. This is a guy that's been doing it for nine years now. And still playing with the amount of speed and explosiveness he still plays with. The guy turns 31 in January. He still looks like he's a 25-year-old guy running around out there. Absolutely. And certainly, you know, he has all the fundamentals and the technique to be able to take down ball carriers um, sideline to sideline. 
Devin White's going to be a really special talent, though. Uh, you can just see the way with the speed that he has, and that was he was touted for that. You and I remembered that draft, and well, he was the top five pick for a reason. And there was, clearly. and we were talking about him. Hey, could this be a guy that potentially would be there for the Packers, or would they, could they move up and get him? And, and he falls into Tampa Bay's lap there at number five, and yeah, he is the transcendent talent that you're looking for in the top ten. Now, all these things, you give them all the credit in the world, you still have to find a way to beat them. And for Green Bay, they just weren't able to really penetrate the second level. The outside zones really weren't working that well for them in the final three quarters. And the Buccaneers just started to go to work after they were able to kind of match that initial punch uh, that the Buccaneers sort of rolled from there. Yeah. And on the defensive side of the ball for the Packers, again, after what looked like a promising first quarter, things start to unravel. And really, we've talked about it with this defense, Wes. It, It very much is predicated on the big play. And when you don't get any sacks and you don't get any turnovers and you're facing a Hall of Fame quarterback. Now, Tom Brady didn't do anything spectacular in this game. I thought a couple of his passes, particularly the touchdown to Rob Gronkowski and the other sideline pass to Gronkowski, those were picture-perfect throws. But Tom Brady did not have this, you know, oh, my gosh, wow, Tom Brady type of game. But because the Packers' defense didn't get any any of those sacks or turnovers, it just turned into a really long afternoon. Well, and it's the reason why they always talk about, you know, total yards, total defense, total passing. It's kind of a misleading stat because I'll I'll tell you what, Mike, when I was going, we were getting ready for the Zoom calls and I brought up the post-game, you know, sheet, Tom Brady had 166 passing yards in that game. Now, mind you, that was kind of buoyed by the 40-yard defensive pass interference penalty and sort of those hidden yards that were built into this thing. Yeah. But it does really tell you that you know they needed to play a clean game, that being Green Bay, and they just didn't. Uh, Tampa Bay, for their to their credit again, this is a team that had 11 penalties for 109 yards against Chicago. Those came back to bite them. They weren't able to get their drives late to seal that victory, and they ended up losing the game. Whether it was the extra week and a half rest, or maybe they were on short rest the first time that affected them, they're back at home. Who knows what the reasons were? But they cleaned it up. They had they were charged with no penalties, only one offsetting penalty on that unnecessary roughness or unsportsmanlike conduct penalty on Adamic and Sue. Uh, they were able to you know stay in favorable down in distance. They didn't turn over the football. Uh, but all that being said, Green Bay still did had, had opportunities. There was the the pass that went through Adrian Amos's hands. There was you know chances to find a big play, and the Packers just weren't able to do that. But at the end of the day, when you go back to what Green Bay did so well in 2019 and why they looked so promising on that side of the ball, it was the pressure, and there just wasn't enough of it on Tom Brady. Yeah, there were missed opportunities in this game for the Packers. Don't get me wrong. I thought, you know, after the two interceptions by Aaron Rodgers, he's got Mercedes Lewis yeah. wide open down the middle of the field, misses him. Rodgers talked after the game about you know whether or not the wind maybe played a factor on that throw because it was a breezy day. And Rodgers said he felt good about the throw when it came out of his hand, but then just unable to connect with Lewis. The game's 14-10 to 10 at that point. You get a big play. I'm not sure if Lewis because he's not the fastest man in the world anymore. I'm not sure if he could take that one all the way to the house, but he's going to put the Packers in position to get points and stem the tide a little bit. You look on the defensive side of the ball, you mentioned the the pick that went through Amos's hands, a potential interception there. The two touchdown drives that Tom Brady and the Buccaneers offense put together, the longer scoring drives in the second quarter, the Packers defense got them in third down four times yeah. on those two drives to either force a punt or a field goal. 
Tampa Bay goes four for four on those four third downs, ends up putting both of those drives in the end zone for touchdowns, and you're at 28 to 10 at halftime. Those missed opportunities, all of them after the two interceptions that set up the touchdowns, all those missed opportunities in the second quarter is really where this game got away from Green Bay. Yeah, and you just weren't able to recapture that momentum. And, I, and the fact that the, this is such a small thing, but Tampa Bay winning the coin toss, being able to get the ball back to start the second half, they were able to put points up. They put 28 points up in the second quarter, and then they got the ball back after halftime. Yeah. Uh, that's just such a huge deficit to work back from from Green Bay, but you have to find a way to do it. The major thing, uh, the point I want to get across, and a lot of it came out of what Matt LaFleur was saying uh, in his Monday conference uh, press conference with the Green Bay Media Corps, was that it, it, went, it went poorly. The game plan wasn't good enough, the execution wasn't good enough, and the play calling wasn't good enough. He stepped right in front of it, and he took ownership of it, as he has a lot of times yeah. uh, after the five losses he's had. But it comes down to that, okay, you watch the film, you correct it, and you got to turn your sights to this Houston Texans team. At 1-5, and five, it's somewhat deceiving there when you look at Deshaun Watson and still the danger that they present. So you can't allow it to be two losses. You lost this one, you took it on the chin, you got to find a way to come back from it. Yeah, absolutely. I want to talk a little bit more about the Texans, that upcoming opponent here. Real quickly, some sponsor business. Sirius XM NFL Radio, Channel 88 is the only radio outlet dedicated to the National Football League seven days a week, 365 days a year. And Packers fans, be sure to gear up for game day. Open a Packers checking account from Associated Bank and score a $50 Packers Pro Shop gift card. Learn more at associatedbank.com backslash Packers. Okay, as you said, the Packers have to turn the page quickly. You don't take the film of this Tampa Bay game and completely dismiss it, throw it in the garbage. You have to go over it. You have to really study and look at everything that went wrong. But then mentally, certainly starting Wednesday when you hit the practice field, you have to turn the page to the Houston Texans. And it's an interesting thing here, Wes, because the Texans are the Texans are one in five. And while they are the victim of the only Minnesota Vikings win so yeah. far this year, Houston's other four <laughs> losses are to, if I get it right, Kansas City, Houston, I mean sorry, Kansas City, Pittsburgh. Baltimore, and Tennessee. Those four teams in the AFC right now have a combined 20-2 and record. Two of them are undefeated. The other two only have yeah. one loss. Those are the teams that the Houston Texans have lost to, aside from the Minnesota Vikings. So, And they, the loss to Pittsburgh was by one touchdown, I believe, only seven points. And then this most recent loss to Tennessee the Texans are down 21 to 7 in the second quarter. They come back from that 14-point deficit. They get the lead a couple of times in the fourth quarter, end up giving up the tying touchdown in the final seconds of the fourth quarter and lose in overtime to an unbeaten Titans team. So, this 1 and 5 record for the Houston Texans, in my mind, in Matt LaFleur's mind, I think in the Packers' mind in general, it yeah. means absolutely nothing going into this game on Sunday. It really does. And I mean, the the other common denominator in all this is, I mean, you look at the way in which Deshaun Watson has performed to this point of the season. I mean, this is one of the elite quarterbacks in this league. And one thing when you look at the early slate here for Green Bay is it's been difficult for them trying to stop those elite quarterbacks. So that's why you can't really take any of this for granted. You can't look at one and five and say, okay, well, they're just a throwaway team. 
they've been through the gauntlet. Now, they did lose to Minnesota. That was sort of the backbreaker, considering that was the game where, okay, somebody has to prevail here, somebody has to get into the win column. But be that as it may, they came back the next week and they got a two-touchdown win over the Jacksonville Jaguars. So there's so many different things that play into this, and I'm just very curious right now, Mike, to see exactly what the Packers do coming off of a road loss and then having to travel to another somewhat uncommon, well, this definitely is an uncommon opponent in the Houston Texans. If you look at Matt LaFleur's resume, he has been exceptional. The Packers have been exceptional at bouncing back from a loss and not allowing it to snowball. I wrote last week coming off the bye, you have to be able to keep the train moving. They didn't in Tampa Bay. Well, you have to find a way to get it back on the tracks this week against the Texans. Yeah, absolutely. And Matt LaFleur's track record here in nearly a season and a half at the helm of the Packers, probably the most impressive thing, quite frankly, that he's done is that he is more than 20 games into his NFL coaching, NFL head coaching career, and he has yet to lose back-to-back yeah. games. And that is the trend that the Packers are going to hang their hat on, that Matt LaFleur will hang his hat on and, uh, and get this team back going in the right direction. Offensively, I really look for the Packers to bounce back big time in this game. Houston's defense has struggled. They have they've have given up a lot of points. Yes, they've got some playmakers on that side of the ball. Don't get me wrong. Yeah. But this is a defense that I think the Packers can get the offense back to a, to both the, the efficiency and the explosiveness that we've seen uh, that we saw through the first month of the season. The defensive side of the ball is where I'm a little bit more concerned because the Packers are going to hear all week from you know, the pundits, the writers, everything about how they're not getting any pressure on the quarterback. The sack numbers are down from you know, the Smiths and others. The pressure numbers are down. You know, all the metrics yeah. are showing that. But you mentioned the guy's name, Deshaun Watson. You have to be careful with how you pressure this yes. guy. The Packers can't go into this game thinking, oh, this is all about getting pressure on the quarterback because we haven't done that. Because Deshaun Watson will kill you with his legs yes. if you don't rush the quarterback in the proper fashion. So this is not going to be a game about statistics for the pass rush, the sacks or whatever. This is going to be about, in, in the bigger picture, how you go about defending Deshaun Watson. And you have to defend him differently than you defend a lot of other quarterbacks. You really do. And Watson is such an interesting case study, especially this year, because if you break down his stats against basically no pressure, the guy is just eating people alive right now. Against four-man rushes, I think he has like an like an. 118 passer rating teams have blitzed him more this year and that's where I think his passer rating I don't quote me on this for sure I want to say it's in the 70s uh, when they've successfully blitzed him but the catch 22 to that the trade-off is what happens if you don't get home and how does he hurt you if you don't have a spy on him if he's able to escape the pocket there's a lot of those extended off schedule type plays that he can create not only with his feet but also with his arm Oh, and then by the way, he has one of the most explosive targets in the National Football League in Will Fuller that can really hurt you if you let him get deep on you on a go ball. So, you know, they, they've added some tools. I know a lot was made out of the, the DeAndre Hopkins trade, and, and you know, you can it's kind of water under the bridge at this point with Bill O'Brien no longer as the head coach and GM. Right. But you have to look at the roster that sits in front of you. Will Fuller, Brandon Cooks, and obviously – Randall Cobb is a guy the Packers are incredibly, incredibly knowledgeable about. 
And then David Johnson's a guy, too, that can hurt you with his hands. There are weapons there, and it's an opponent you can't take lightly. Yeah, and here's the thing, Wes. When you you look at, we talked about it last week with Atlanta, right? They change head coaches. It relieves some of that pressure. The players aren't under this big cloud as to what's going to happen. And the Falcons go into Minneapolis and get their first victory of the season. The Texans did that a couple of weeks ago. They move on from Bill O'Brien. They get a win over the Jaguars. They take an undefeated Tennessee team down to the wire. This talented roster, they're playing a little more loose. They, they don't have the tension that was surrounding everything with the future of the head coach. And this is a team that's going to be ready to play on Sunday. And Matt LaFleur has been delivering that message to his team and, and to the Packers fans. Well, and, and you saw it even, not to use the analogy again of the, the 2018 season with the Packers, but... I thought you were going to go back to the cup of coffee. <laughs> I can definitely do that if you want to. <laughs> That's okay. Did you have your coffee this morning? <laughs> no, but you go back to that 18 season with the Packers, and as difficult as that week was when the Packers made the decision to move on from Mike McCarthy, right. they went into that Falcons game with Joe Philbin, and you really could tell there was this we have nothing to lose type mindset. There's something about when you make a coaching change that it just it seems to, as you said, it gives you this sort of freedom that it's just like, let's just go play. Let's not overthink this. Because this wasn't the Texans made these moves they made in the offseason, the extension, the trade, all that stuff, because they expected to compete this year. They were coming off a playoff appearance, several of them under Bill O'Brien. So now they have a team that's still really talented, and now they have more of a freer mindset. I think that's the danger. That's the thing you have to shield against now going up into this matchup, which, again, NRG Field, no one else wants to hear this, but I'm going to say it anyway, still the only NFL stadium, other than the ones that were just built, that I haven't been to yet. Oh, so when so you're, COVID, mi- you're missing out on... And it only happens once every eight years, unless right. they play yeah. a play, uh, preseason game there. But you and I... When COVID's done and where everything's fine again, whatever year that is, you and I are road tripping down to Houston so I can actually go to the stadium. Thank right. you very much. Right. I was there. I've been there once, 2012. I'll I was rub there. it in. I was there for Aaron Rodgers throwing the six touchdown passes on Sunday Night yep. Football to beat the Texans. So Do you know where I, have, I was? So I have been to the stadium. No, where I was were in you? my bonus room watching that game. There you and covering go. It you, were watching, you were watching it on television. Okay. Well, the, here's the other thing. Not that the Packers need anything else to get their attention after the way they performed. And you're in that bounce-back mode. It's, it's that whole reset, refocus, and everything like that. But the other element to this, Wes, is however they look it up these days, on the phone, on the computer, the NFC North, the Packers are looking up at somebody. The Chicago Bears are 5-1. and one, The Packers are 4-1 and one for everything that was going so swimmingly and so smoothly through the first four games, and the Packers were 4-0, and oh, and... And, uh, you know, you're on top of the world there. You're one of only two undefeated teams in the NFC along with Seattle. Now suddenly you're not even in first place in your own division. And the Bears this coming week, I believe they play on Monday night football. So the Packers won't even... You want me to tell you? So the Packers won't even know uh, what's going on with the Bears or anything when they they take the field on on Sunday in Houston because uh, the, the best the Packers are going to be able to do is tie them for yeah. first place at 5-1. and one. So it's just another thing to, to lock in mentally because th- this, this is going to be a dogfight in the division yep. from here on out. It yeah, really and is. The Bears are uh, going to be taking on the uh, NFC East leading Los Angeles Rams uh, in that matchup. So, uh, <laughs> no, you're right, though. This is what I love, and, and so many people are quick to dog on the Bears for the start. Don't dog on them. It's a good football team. Have they had issues? 
yeah, a lot of teams have had issues yeah. to this point of the season. But they're winning. The Bears are winning. And, and I don't want to draw these comparisons to the Packers last year. I will continue until the day that I am no longer even on this earth going to tell you the 2019 Packers were a dang good football team. They were a 13-3 and football team, no matter what you know these sabermetrics people want to say. It's difficult to win in this league. Yep. And the Bears, they aren't doing it the same way the Packers did. They're doing it their own way. But how? what is the one parallel? Winning close games, finding ways to victory. The Bears have done it, and they deserve to be 5-1. and one. Green Bay needs to keep pace now. Yeah, absolutely. Well, we will talk a little bit more about this Packers-Texans matchup on our other episode later this week. But for now, we'll call it a wrap on this edition of Packers Unscripted. Be sure to follow all of our coverage of the team all week long on Packers.com. For Wes, I am Mike. Thank you for tuning in, everybody. See you next time.